Good evening, everybody. Um, welcome to the uh, program of Modern Poland uh, seminar series. And it is with great pleasure uh, that I can introduce you our main speaker today, um, Dr. Ela uh, Chmielewska, who will be talking about vectors of looking, reflections on the Luftwaffe's aerial survey of Warsaw. 1944. Um, Ela Mieleska is senior lecturer in cultural and visual studies at the University of Edinburgh um, School of Architecture. Uh, her research centers on the material manifestations of language and the relationship between city and visuality, memory and representation. Um, Ella was the curator and designer of cold War Neons and Socialist Modernity Exhibition at the Lighthouse in Glasgow in 2009. Uh, her publications on post-socialist uh, city include the special issue of the Journal of Architecture um, uh, with the article Warsaw Tracking, uh, Tracking the City, uh, which was co-edited with um, Mark Dorian in 2010. Um, her recent work focuses on forms of writing uh, with the image and includes exactly vectors of looking, uh, reflections on the Luftwaffe's area survey of Warsaw 1944, um, in the volume uh, under the title Seeing from Above, uh, the Aerial View in Visual Culture, edited by Mark Dorian and Frederic Poussin, which came out in London um, in 2013. Uh, there is also another text, uh, Writing with the Photograph, a Spacement Description and an Architectural Text in Action, which uh, was published in, um, uh, in Representational Machines, Photography and the Production of Space, uh, published in uh, Arcus University Press in 2013. And Ella is currently completing a book project on urban memory and visuality, uh, Warsaw surfaces, transpositions, objects, shadows. So it is to you, Ella. Thank you very much, uh, Mikolaj, and, uh, and I'm delighted to uh, to be uh, here. Um, I'll um, I'll be reading the paper, and I'll try to um, be a rather brisk with um, reading of it. Um, I want to read it as a as a uh, as one um, uh, entity, as one text. Uh, so um, I will not be um, sort of diverting from it. But I wanted to um, briefly afterwards uh, perhaps discuss. Um, what happens when uh, a paper is repositioned uh, in uh, different adjacencies with the different texts and uh, and when it um, uh, travels um, so I want to um, look at it um, uh, in uh, in slightly different way and uh, maybe um, uh, we could have a chance of, to talk about the book project and and what happens when that text um, uh, travels um, so uh, I'll um, um, Quickly, we'll, we'll um, focus on the site. Um, so vectors of looking. Memory is not an instrument for the exploration of the past, but rather it's theater. Memory is the medium of what has been experienced, as the earth is the medium in which dead cities lie buried in debris. Facts of the matter are only deposits. Layers which deliver only to the most meticulous examination what constitutes the true assets hidden within the inner earth. 
the images which, torn from all former contexts, stand like ruins or torsos in the collector's gallery as the treasures in the prosaic chambers of our belated insights. A Warsaw address, 36 Smolna Street, an artist studio archive hidden in an annex of a century-old tenement. The building, bombed in the last week last weeks of 1944, is one of the final acts of the herbicide, remains the memory of its past trauma, its front sheared and its back annex reduced to a single story. The studio, built into the ruin after the war, supports the disfigured structure from within, offering a sense of architectonic coherence that is not visible in the exterior a solidity of a place set against the material vulnerability of the site. Outside, the trajectory of a falling bomb, registered in a hideous scar on the party wall and in the futility of a staircase that once led to now absent floors, outlines an architectural section of destruction. The extent of the damage, however, the sense of the larger trauma, the tragic topography of the mutilated urban surface can only be seen in a plan view. The consequences of the aerial attack six decades prior of a targeting view from above remain scored in the landscape. Stored in a desk drawer in the studio is a collection of century-old glass negatives featuring portraits of Warsaw landmarks. One of the negatives is damaged its glass sheet shattered into seven shards that originate from a small point of impact, a sharp, sudden blow that gouged the centre, radiating fractures across the brittle plate. Pieced together, assembled on a flat surface, the glass fragments form a disquieting image object. Archiving the photograph within its splintered body, the negative cannot be held up to the light. Only when supported by a horizontal plane, only when viewed from above, can this broken object be regarded as complete, a potentiality of an image. I pick up a sharp glass segment from the table, holding it above the stone floor of the studio, and feel a sudden vertigo, a realization of vertical distance, a vulnerability to impact that this fragment materializes along the vector of my gaze. A print made from the fractured negative renders the image whole. Not whole again, but whole anew. Neither the composition nor serenity of the pictured scene is disturbed. As the puncture coincides with the water surface along the horizontal axis, the symmetry of the view is retained. Gentle ripples only underscore the disjuncture between the forces affecting the surface of the glass and those impacting the scene. The image can no longer be what it would have been before the negative's damage. The residue of the past trauma is now sealed in the photograph, located in the plane of material absence, where the missing piece, the place of material absence, where the missing piece joins long cracks and hairline fractures. This point simultaneously indexes the memory of the originating site, the momentary co-presence of the glass surface and the action of photography, the photographer's gesture and the camera's object of focus, the place of damage, now incorporated into the image, holds the memory of impact and points to spatiotemporal dimensions of looking. 
The photograph is mute about its trauma, though. The violent event remains obscure and cannot be revealed by the material memory alone. The surface only retains the consequences. The The 18th, century, the 18th century palace on the island in the Wasienki Park, which is recorded in the cracked negative, sustained serious damage in the last weeks of 1944, but was carefully reconstructed immediately after the war, as were many of Warsaw's palaces and churches. There is nothing unique about the particular image stored in this negative. Little memorial value resides in the captured scene alone. Photographs shot from the same angle, from a similar scenographic framing, abound in albums showcasing Warsaw's history. What is, however, both critical and poignant here is the materiality of the negative, which points to further, if inevitably unknowable, stories. This fractured glass, simultaneously so mute and so eloquent, remains a rare material witness of the past, surviving, as I find it, in this fragment of a building in this damaged city. It is an emblem of the ruination of time held within a ruin of space. I take this image object as a point of entry into a reflection on the memory of the city as registered in a set of aerial photographs. It is to act as a reminder of the privilege given here to images over texts as a source of insight. For Walter Benjamin, whose words open this essay and will guide it through some junctures, memory is a substance within which facts of the matter are accumulated, just as earth is a medium that holds the remains of dead cities. Uncovered, these deposits come to attention as images, as fragments of our understanding. But dead cities also remain on surfaces, in a flotsam of scattered image objects. These images, ciphers of history written in visible forms, <coughs> assert, as Jacques Rancière tells us, their raw material presence. Retaining the process of ruination, they both document and destroy. They come into new visibility, Edward Casey insists, in a specific where, on and through surfaces of their presentation, whenever we may be. Pointing our attention towards directionalities of looking and the location of points of view, the injured image object at which we look asks specifically for a consideration of surfaces where actions are felt, where consequences are registered, and where viewing is inscribed into the material. Surfaces disclose points of impact, refract vectors of looking. In singularities of contact, they retain memories of seeing and being seen. These vectors of looking will be closely examined here in a sequence of photographs that resulted from aerial views that immediately preceded the violence inflicted upon the specific address in which I sit, the place that still now, in its vulnerability, in singularities of its objects and surfaces, holds memories of the damage, belated material insights. Surveying occupied Warsaw in the Focke-Wolf F-2 
W-189, or the OWL aircraft, on a bright summer day in 1944, a Luftwaffe photographer captures this view of the palace in Wazienki Park. In the carefully composed aerial close-up, the palace seems desolate against the lush trees, its roof a blotchy pattern of tiles. Is glass missing in the front windows, or are these just deep shadows? The ensemble looks intact, unaffected by the wall. The grounds are well tended, grass mowed, lush trees cast dark shadows on the still water of the lake. Portraying this fine symmetry of the palace ensemble, the, photo the photograph could be an illustration for a tourist guidebook. What does, it, what does this image tell me, though, if it is a product of military reconnaissance? The framing of the shot fuses the skills of the pilot and the discernment of the photographer. The flight path is aligned with the axis of the palace and the camera angle precisely aimed at the specific view. The directed looking deployed in navigation of the weapon is coordinated here with the field of vision of the photographing machine, a, defined, a definite aesthetic accomplishment of the presentation of a target through a military sighting apparatus. This is a consummate, consummate target acquisition technique, as Paul Virilia points out, the deadly harmony between the function of the eye and the weapon. Aided by its agility, the flying eye, with its almost fully glazed fuselage and camera mounted in a special socket of the floor, was both a superb seeing weapon and a high-definition recording device, a combat apparatus designed to optimize both vision and firing arc. Here, however, the FW-189 is flying at a chillingly low altitude over the safe territory of the occupied city, over what is, at the time, the German section of Warsaw. Its target is hardly of military importance, a small palace and still water around it. The image alone is mute about its provenance. Nothing in the photograph reveals the military plane pointing the camera, nor the contiguities of the aircraft's controls, the machine gun trigger next to the camera's shutter release. Not even the obvious proximities of gestures of the photographer, navigator, gunman, pilot are visible here, even if the synchronicity of actions is evident in the execution of the shot. Taking the fifth year of the occupation, a year after the annihilation of Warsaw's ghetto, shortly before the outbreak of the 1944 uprising and the subsequent punitive destruction of the city, the image, in its focus on composition and aesthetics, is mute with respect to the photographed time. Although a product of a Luftwaffe sortie, its details which carry no apparent military significance, do not speak of the city outside of the photographed space. The image alone doesn't disclose the adjacencies involved in its recording, conjunctions that complicate both the photographic act and the resultant document are external to its surface. Here, these proximities to other images need to be carefully considered. Benjamin tells us that Every present is determined by those images that are synchronic with it. Every now is the now of a specific recognizability. Read in context, then, the image in the specific now, 
carries the imprint of the perilous critical moment on which all reading is founded. The reading in the now of this photograph is made possible by a chance discovery and a subsequent act of protection fused with a deliberate destruction. Found in 1989-1986 in the attic of a private house in Osterod and deposited in Fotomarburg, the set of negatives that included this image was like an unexploded bomb. The highly flammable nitrate-based film had to be destroyed and the negatives preserved in copies. Now, only adjacencies of other frames thicken the meaningful surface of the image, specifying the context, the now, of my reading. A set of 110 negatives from the Luftwaffe 1944 survey of Warsaw is included among the records of over 3,000 aerial views of German cities from the years 1943 and 44. The Kieler Luftbild Archiv, as it is described on um, Photomarbuk's website, was part of the inventory created for the planning commission for the post-war reconstruction of German cities led by Albert Speer. Warsaw is included in that archive alongside the German cities bombed by the Royal Air Force in 1942-44, such as Lübeck, Hamburg and Frankfurt, as well as those like Dresden, whose destruction in Allied raids was to come later. Many of the photographs are studies of specific landmarks, in some cases showing the buildings with the adjacent ruins. Warsaw is an odd component of the archive, the only city in the inventory that had been bombed by Luftwaffe itself. Curiously, its photographs form the largest subset, with the images of the Wazienki Park accounting for a quarter of the whole grouping. The Warsaw photographs seem different in content as well. They include what seems like attempts at obtaining desired views with repeated approaches to targets, shots taken from various attitudes and altitudes and angles, and experiments with framing. Among portraits of buildings, there are images that look like studies of the morphology of ruins. This material registration differs in content and organization from typical military aerial photographs, such as we find, for example, in the massive archive of Luftwaffe military intelligence images captured by the Allied forces in the last days of the war and designated with a codename GX. Typical reconnaissance photographs either gather details of intended targets or document the ruinscape and thus the extent and effectiveness of the military action. Reconnaissance photographs can be relied on for military intelligence, for details of scale and altitude, orientation, camera specifications and positions, coordinates of the targets and details of the specific mission. Compared with the GX inventory, the images gathered in the Killer Luftbild Archive resemble pictures from a wartime tourist guidebook or illustrations from an album on architectural history rather than documentation from a military survey. Heading northwest from the Wajenki Park, the FW-189 flies over low over the Platz Krzyży, its distinct shadow marking the church of St. Alexander. As if bridging the bell towers, its wings span across the surface collage of roof tiles, 
crudely patched up after earlier damage. A fire caused by the 1939 blitz? At a safe distance from the trajectory of the shadow, a young woman in a bright dress walks towards a tram. On the lower steps by, a bell t- by the bell tower, a bulky figure of a beggar sits, whose shadow has, a moment earlier, been spared from momentary absorption by the wing of the plane. To the left, along the tenement, a man in a trench coat, briefcase in one hand, strides hurriedly down the sidewalk, as if keeping ahead of the, of the owl his right arm bent in front of him in a recognisable gesture. He's checking the time on his wristwatch. At the bottom of the photograph, at the edge of the paved aisle, directly within the flight path, a single observer faces the sky. A moment earlier, in a perilous critical moment, the left wing of aircraft touched him with its shadow. Used extensively on the Eastern Front, the FW-189 was known on the ground as Rama, the frame, a reference to the characteristic shape of its tail boom that facilitated visibility. Here, focused on the Church of St. Alexander, the airborne camera is tightly cropping the context out of the space of the photograph. The damage to the square, evident in the larger, large sections of cleared ruins, which testify to the 1939 aerial attack, are only vaguely indexed by the fenced-off emptiness at the edges of the image. The signature shape of the aircraft, an ominous shadow marking both the photographed space and the space of the photograph, scores not only this image, but it touches every image from the sortie simultaneously marking all Warsaw surfaces. A superb cropping instrument, the urban frame, framing the ruins, frames the now of my looking. (coughs) Viewed within a set of photographs, gathered for the album entitled Warszawa, Ostatnie Spojrzenie, Niemieckie Fotografie Lotnicze sprzed sierpnia 1944 roku, Warsaw, The Last Glance, German aerial photographs from before the August 1944 uprising. The image is framed by a sense of premonition. The stillness of the scene registers the looming contrast with what is to come later that summer the violent rupture of the uprising and the imminent herbicide. Nothing in the photograph, though, tells me that the city is going to die. This intuition resides in the adjacencies of the image object, in the now of its reading. I read this sense of foreboding into the image. Staged by the wording, the photograph abides by the dictum of the book's title. Selected as the cover image of the album, the photograph is transformed from a presentiment into the testimony. It becomes an indication of the imminent future placed in the past now. Capturing the marking of the place with the menacing shadow, in its specificity, the photograph makes vivid the precise moment of looking. The last glance? Whose glance is it? Mine? The image's reader, 
is expected to return. Mine is not a quick look either. The image demands, as Benjamin noted, a meticulous examination, a scrutiny then, rather than a glance. I'm intensely inquiring, asking questions of this photograph. Is it a bound glance then, as Casey would tell me, vigilant in a way pertinent to orientation? It fastens on particular things and places and directs me towards the orienting surfaces and objects. In its mobility, the glance choreographs proximities. It also signifies that what it captures is its visual, in its visual net is sudden in its appearance. In the flash of realization, I see my looking reflected in the pilot photographer's scrutiny of the city's surfaces. Is it perhaps his glance then? His aerial stroll around Warsaw on a summer day? A tourist glancing around for best views to capture with his high-tech camera? Is this image a snapshot in a set of souvenirs from the Eastern Front? I have sudden recognition of the pilot photographer's urge to frame his own shadow, marking the surface of the image. Here, his playful glance facilitates my looking at the non-yet-completely-destroyed Warsaw's past, the past thus preserved by the Luftwaffe, the very apparatus of its ruination. The building framed by the shadow will have been destroyed in a few weeks' time, but then rebuilt right after the war, substantially altered, corrected to obtain a more desired look. But the city was no longer whole at the time of this capture. It was already a horribly fractured image object. Only the view from above still holds it as a singular image. On the ground, its shattered surfaces resist com completeness, voids gaping in incomprehension. There is a sense of disquiet in the proximity of the aircraft to the city's surface, in the deliberate framing of the scene. But I take shadows as the key points of disquietude, of indeterminacy, elusive and shifting points of attachments for the vectors of looking and of being seen. In the images that follow, I will track three shadows then, each anchoring a different point of seeing. One is fastened to the pointed silhouette of the aircraft, ominously indexing the tenement courtyard. It acts as a poignantic object, foreshadowing the destruction to come, the will-have-been of the trauma of the ordinary spaces of the city. Another is attached to the irregular scar of the flattened ghetto, the achingly bare head-been, the acute outline of emptiness indexing the future condition of absence. They both amplify, amplify the force of the third vector, tethered to a specific address attached to a shadow of a building bombed soon after the aerial documentation. It shifts my direction of looking, forcing me close to the surface, reminding me to consider the material traces of seeing and being seen, to locate the specific places of the consequences of the view from above. Flying north, now along a different path, approaching the train station, Warszawa Główna, along Aleje Rosolimskie, the FW-189 photographs its shadow posing, in, posing inside a tenement's courtyard. 
a moment before the plane slides its silhouette over him. A young man in dark jacket, hands in his pockets, makes eye contact with a flying eye. From the small house behind him, an oddly looking cottage pressed against tall party walls. Other observers spill out. There are two figures near the front porch on the right, two standing by the low shed at the foot of the towering white wall, one more nearly touching the tip of the fuselage. Facing the sky, the whole group suddenly stills in singular focus, while the object of their gaze marks the courtyard with a dark stain of obstructed light. Guiding the aircraft, the shadow confronts me here with a raw presence that Rancière believes is to be found in the captured moments of indeterminacy. It is a mark of both concealing and exposing. It specifies vectors of looking and those of apprehension. In the shadow, the momentary presence of the aircraft is witnessed in the courtyard simultaneously by the photographer, camera, and the chance-photographed subjects or spectators. It is a haunting presence that Casey speaks of, experienced when the photograph suddenly captures a glance that issues from the subject toward the photographer. It arrests the spectator's witnessing of the photographic act and of the very act of looking. The courtyard's surfaces register the silhouette of the aircraft at the moment of fixing this event in the material of the film. The glance of the photographer, here a complex apparatus, extending human action calls out for that of the spectator, the city, enclosing human presence. It captures a dialectic of looks. The pictured object of the revealed event is now looking out towards us as it current viewers, as it currents viewers. And in this looking, Casey writes, through the physical photograph that presents it, it produces. Located in the spatial-temporal relationships to its, to its object, the shadow constitutes a peculiar, peculiar index. It extends the object through a hinged-like adjacency and a mobile positioning. Yet loyal to the time alone, it disregards the place while locating the coincidence of presence. Despite their attachments, shadows keep distance, Hertha Müller tells us. They do not wholly belong to their objects, just like the shadow of a wall doesn't belong to the wall. The shadows have abandoned objects they belong to. They belong entirely to this afternoon that is about to end. Unstable, whether in their presence or absence, they cannot be relied upon for remaining in place. In their marking of singular events, though, they anchor vectors of looking, activating or intensifying memory. Touching the ground, pointing to the strange assembly of buildings hidden in the whole courtyard, the shadow of the frame exposes a manifold of vulnerabilities. Already at the moment of taking the photograph, the tiny cottage, encircled by tall tenements, is an odd survivor in the centre of the city. It comes into visibility with its set of material memories clinging onto the surfaces of the courtyard, protected, as it were, within the impossibility of casting its own shadow. 
tall walls to the north, the distances between the crushed shadows of the tenements flanking the courtyard, and a low, abandoned, boarded-up annex closing it along the south edge. All shelter this diminutive building while ensuring its access to light. Only the airborne shadow, only a presence from above can touch it. Only the aerial view can expose its precarious condition. In the traditional morphology of Warsaw tenements, the courtyard was an intimate territory, a node in the networks of movements, the system of localized commerce and the infrastructure for social relations. In a few weeks after the taking of this photograph, it will become a center of the violence inflicted on the city, a place of shelter, of battle, of prayers between aerial attacks and of quick burials. Later still, as a result of the destruction that is to ensue, the courtyard will become a critical tool in the ideological battle of the new regime where the condition of light between the buildings the shadows cast by the tenements will be deployed in the post-war urban reconfiguration. Elaborating the relationships between violence and architecture, Andrew Herscher contends that a violent alchemy must take place in order to transform a building into a target, into a ruin. Part of this alchemy is discursive. Certain stories about architecture guide and legitimate these transformations. These are stories of spatial legitimacies and privilege. The discourse on hierarchies of reconstruction, the legibility, the legality of violence enacted through and against the urban fabric, the events of dislocations and dispossessions under the condition of occupation. Here, the memory of past transpositions and conversions and the premonition of the transformations still to come are indicated in the singular condition of the ordinary tenement's courtyard. Violence targeting cities, Herscher continues, is enacted by denying the ordinary places and buildings their singularity, denying them a consideration as architecture, as objects and spaces for living, for the living, and positing them instead as generic objects in historical discourses. Exposed in the single moment of the captured aerial view, the curious dwelling hidden in the courtyard carries radical dislocations and transformations already obstructing the city. It is not in a photograph of an iconic building, whether a palace, a church, or other historical landmark, that complexities of city memories are found. Rather, it is the ordinary surfaces and places of dwelling, singular glances of chance spectators, and objects of spatiotemporal vulnerability that give testimonies that require the kind of meticulous examination of the memorial debris demanded by Benjamin. Overplatz Krasinskich. At its northern edge, where Świętojerska Street intersects with the square's central axis, Bonifraterska. The urban camera captures a formal composition of diagonals. Each segment of the photographed space, a distinct morphology of ruination. A completely obliterated targeted section of the city, a spot damaged traditional tenement block, 
an empty space cleared of rubble from the earlier bombardment, and an imminent ruin, a still intact palace with its palace with its gardens. The axis of the image converge in a deep gash in the precariously sited building in the centre, the puncture in the roof of the annex of the palace of collateral target damage highlights the precision of the violence enacted on the bordered space at the top section of the photograph, the liquidated ghetto adjacent to the square. The crisply drawn wall, uninterrupted by damage, is now a redundant outline of the space clearly marked by the mutilation of its surface. Within its boundary, the wall contains the city turned into a scarred plain, punctuated by sharp verticals of still-standing fragments of facades and party walls. At a glance, the total destruction is registered as an unvarying brightness, unbearable intensity, overexposure. In the photograph, the tragedy of that which had been and the foreshadowing of the will-have-been come to a heightened visibility in the signs of the ordinary that are adjacent to the ghetto wall. The damaged tenement on the right, its front still marked with a signboard of a furniture store, Meble, overlooks the vast space of a bleak playground on whose cleared surface traces of removed buildings are still visible. Five swings are in use at the moment, and a group of schoolboys, their heads raised, look up right into the camera. At the lower edge of the at the lower edge of the image, a round shape, a carousel, is reading its reading predicated upon recalling Czesław Miłosz's poem Campo dei Fiori. On the left, the water reservoir in front of the Krasinski Palace a premonition of its futility in fighting the fire of a few months later, a pointless figure considering the scorched terrain nearby. With its contiguity severed, the annex of the palace is now an absurd port cocher. No longer connecting buildings across the square, it is a divider between the spaces it overlooks. Still allowing passages into the voided city to its north, pinned down in its position by the vertical puncture, it is now a material witness to death and survival. In the summer of 1944, a year after the liquidation of the ghetto, the building remains an immobilized onlooker. It is still unable to reconcile the disjuncture of its split vision, the impossibility of experiencing the simultaneously opposing directions of seeing. In the now of this photograph, this former court building remains a material witness to the wartime tragedy of its location. With a prospect across Świętojerska, the views from one side of the building registered the physical construction of the racial division within the city, marking the spaces as Jewish and Aryan, and the subsequent erasure of the part of Warsaw designated and enclosed as Jewish quarter. It witnessed the city deployed as a tool of annihilation of one-third of its inhabitants and its total destruction within the area marked as the space of the other. The city will remain fractured ever since.
towards the square, the bombing of the tenements in the Blitz of 1939 would be seen, as would the weapons piled up high after the surrender, and the subsequent clearing of the ruined buildings for the makeshift playground. The building witnessed the turning of the city into an instrument of occupation, a massive process of relocations, dispossessions, annexations and conversions that took place in order to claim spaces as nur für Deutsche and those designated for the others. Along Świętojerska Street, the lone tenement at the edge of the palace garden overlooks the field of destruction. The building's sharp shadow, folding itself over the divisive wall, enters the space of the raw memory of the ghetto. It touches the absence of the house across the street. (coughs) Facing the walled-in section of the city, its shadow routinely crossing to the other side, the tenement has been a witness to looking, a witness to witnessing. Now... Its shadow points to absent surfaces of past seeing. It outlines the memory of being seen. If seeing is visiting, as we learn from Michel Serre, then an act of seeing demands coming forward, crossing roads, assuming positions. But seeing also issues from immobility, from a fixed stare, the denial of movement, from disregarding the glance coming from the object being looked at. The shadow moving over, over the wall of the ghetto, crossing to the other side, marks the place where the vectors of looking are attached, where the memories from before the city's forced segregation and those of the city's complicity in death and survival are located. The sharp mark of the tenement's crossing points The sharp mark of the tenement's crossing points out that the overexposed space voided from the city is not empty. On the bleak plains of ruination, shadows index sudden presences in signs of human activity. A figure marked by a vertical line, a gun swung over the shoulder, is is, is guarding a group at work. A few men carrying, lifting, piling up material against the wall. Along Ponifraterska, neatly stacked, sorted, piles of objects of similar shapes lie prepared for collection. The material of the liquidated ghetto is being segregated, sorted out. Is it for the reconstruction of the German cities? For Albert Speer's Planungsstab? Herscher insists that damage transforms a building from an object with precise uses and meanings into a treasure trove of materiality, into heaps of stuff and clouds of smoke that easily even necessarily serve as substantiation of violence. Here, the designated area of separation first became an instrument of dehumanization. In the time of the photograph, still raw from the violence of destruction, it is being dematerialized through segregation. It will soon become a sign of absence. The ghetto wall, an instrument of violence performed on the city, will take on a memorial significance, while the city within its boundary, its architecture, the space of living for the living, would be confined to oblivion.
It's insight denied. <laughs> In the last photograph that I will consider here, the FW-189, gaining height and turning south, is flying right above Smolna Street. It doesn't register anything worthy of close scrutiny. It seems focused on the rigid geometry of the National Museum and on the compositional diagonals of the image. The axis of the photograph along Aleja Trzeciego Maja, then Bachenhofstrasse, intersecting with Nowy Świat. Oh, sorry. Intersecting with Nowy Świat at the lower right and with the line of the escarpment in the upper left corner, frames one of the key sites of Warsaw. Here, beside the museum, the Communist Party headquarters will be built soon after the war, asserting a new spatial regime for the city. The tenements along the street cleared to ensure visibility across the new parade grounds. In the time of the photograph, Smolna, the narrow street parallel to Aleja Trzeciego Maja, is still intact and only the houses along the near, nearby Foxal reveal extensive war damage, their rooftops missing, floor plans exposed to scrutiny from above. Before the summer ends, the rooftops of Smolna will be similarly opened up by fires. The aerial attack, sharing the tenement at number 36 and reducing its annex to a ruin will come later that year. Inside the studio, inside the studio, I'm examining this photograph in the album Warsaw, The Last Glance. I'm looking at the cluster of shadows cast by the back annexes of Smolna. In a sudden moment of realization, one rectangle of blocked light hinged on the blind wall, blind party wall, becomes the point of singularity. In the now of my reading, it is a shadow of the absence of the house, of the missing stories above the studio space. In recording the building's past presence, the photograph makes visible the present absence. The shadow affirms the place's spatial memory, linking the then of the image with the material vulnerability of the site in the now of my looking. It becomes a punctum in Ranciere's sense, a tangle of indeterminacies, a point of tension between the known and the unknown. It extends the notion, however, into the materiality of puncture, a point of impact, an index of loss where the unthought thought resides. While Rancier seeks pensiveness in art images, I'm tracking the insights of the surfaces viewed by the airborne weapon. In their indeterminacies, these surfaces anchor vectors of looking and those of seeing. They cohere objects, directing movements, specifying positions and distances. They frame places, locating and affecting their viewing and their views. Through the shadows cast upon them, surfaces mark time. In singularities of contact, points of impact, memories come into view, sudden moments of insight surface to attention. These moments are marked by a vertiginous disquiet, a whirl of details, a vortex of local histories, a vertigo of things that 
attention compels us to follow. Vertigo, Mark Dorian notes, is not about the height or looking down, but a certain ungrounding, a sense of imminent fall. It is dizziness triggered by a sudden awareness of distance or proximity, a sense of anxiety set off by changing the axis of viewing and sensing a pull of a spiraling force. Vertigo is a surface condition of visibility, of transparency, not just looking through, but a sense of falling through the surface, breaking through the surface tension of the now. With a higher altitude, moving from a low oblique toward a high vertical, the aerial photograph becomes thinner in surface detail and abstraction increases. The unsettling gazes from the ground are no longer registered. The sense of transparency heightens. Ernst Junger, recalled by Virilio, described glass-like transparency of the aerial landscape viewed as a high vertical. Antoine Saint-Exupéry likened his looking through the glazed cockpit to examining objects through the glass case in a museum. Reflecting on looking at the aerial image, Dorian points to the different directional mode of aerial views, each focused on a specific interpretation of the visible. For Saint-Exupéry, the oblique view, the mode the pilot normally engages with, was likened to a sense of coherence, while the vertical view, required for the task of a military observer, was about, as Dorian writes, the vertiginous itemization of series of objects. In looking in the now of historical aerial photographs, however, our modes of viewing are negotiated differently. In these images, the vertigo is set off by conflicting temporal dimensions of the views. The vertical for the topography of destruction, patterns of death and survival, and the oblique in which the detailed texture of places comes to attention. Benjamin sees memory as a stage, a place where images severed from their context arise into visibility in the now of understanding. In his metaphor, the buried city is simply a city of the past, its debris accessible through an archaeological procedure of recovery, whereby the deposits are brought out as insights, but no major trauma is registered. What if, however, as is the case in my examination, the urban memory is that of the catastrophe, of the piling ruin upon ruin witnessed by Benjamin's later figure, that of the Angelus Novus? What if the angel of history were both the witness and the instrument of destruction, now blind and weighted down by the symbolic debris as in Anselm Kiefer's Angels, Angel of History? Would coming to visibility not require a different procedure for the memory of urban trauma? Dorian suggests a possible figure for such a city. He finds her in a photograph of a child in Warsaw, who in the aftermath of the war is shown drawing her house on a blackboard. Poised on the edge of the vertiginous spiral of her chalk drawing, depositing line upon line of troubled memories, the girl confronts him both with her stare and with the catastrophe beyond history. 
As a figure of absence, I place this image within the frame of our looking in this sequence of photographs of aerial views of Warsaw. very moving and poetic too. I have to admit this. Um, our discussion today is uh, Professor John Beck uh, from the Department of Modern Literature at the University of Westminster. Um, his work is largely concerned with issues uh, of place, landscape and politics and he has published widely on various aspects of photography, art and literature in relation to issues of visuality and militarization. Uh, he's the author of Dirty Wars, Landscape, Power and Waste in Western American Literature. And he's also the co-editor of American Visual Cultures, um, published in 2005. Thank you. <coughs> I wonder if you could say something about the first image that you talked about, because it was a, it was a kind of enigmatic opening, mm -hmm. which led us into the discussion, and I was particularly taken with that, the, the way into this sequence of images, because it seems to be a narrative of finding and gathering, and you talk about finding this image in the studio. I was wondering if you could. Say a little bit more about that, and especially those kind of images that preceded this, where you showed us the context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, that that image was, in a way, um, um, it allowed me to conceptualize the entire way I wanted to deal with um, uh, with the um, particular um, collection of, of images. Um, with which I was intrigued, uh, but I wasn't quite sure what to do with this, how to actually write about it. Uh, uh, I mean, there were a couple of studies of, of, of that work, which were sort of largely descriptive and, and basically were, were, were um, focused on the fact that this is the last view of Warsaw. Um, and the fact that it was positioned as the last view of, mm. of Warsaw, as if Warsaw was at the time uh, um, not destroyed, as if in '44, in July '44, it existed. Um, so, 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 so that um, and that and that moment actually of realization, uh, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to to. I'm actually describing that very moment in the in the, in the paper was when I was when I was looking at that uh, at the um, at the negative and and uh, I mean um, actually looking at a glass negative is a, is a, is a very interesting experience is is quite moving I think in 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 itself because when one actually touches um, an object which was right there in the moment of photographing uh, that very negative was right there and. Um, and the fact that, that that negative was so brittle and I was looking at it, I was actually holding it over the glass, over the stone floor of the, of the studio. 
And I had this sense of, like, sometimes we have with a very delicate object, a fear of falling. Uh, and, uh, and there was, so, so the brittleness was actually very physical in that way. Um, and, um, and I was also interested in, uh, in how, so, so that was sort of this moment of, of, of realization that I really wanted to focus on that felt um, relation to the ground, so the aerial view as it is related to the ground. And, um, and when I um, went back to the photographs, to the um, uh, Luft, Luftwaffe's photographs, uh, what was most um, um, intriguing and sort of troubling and, 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 and um, interesting, and interesting in a troubling way, was uh, that uh, you can actually see that the photographer uh, could see people in much detail, could see the gait of people, could uh, see whether, um, uh, I mean, um, the woman is wearing a white uh, or bright dress. Uh, there is another uh, um, woman nearby and uh, she holds the hand of the man uh, who walks with her and then he has his trench coat over his uh, arm. I mean, you see the gait, you see the, the way people move and and um, so that was really quite uh, quite uh, quite uh, important for me to establish the relationship to the specific places. Yes, well, I thought that was very striking the way that you you are reading these images, kind of against the grain of their kind of military, of their original military, the constant uses. And I wondered how how conscious you were that that was a kind of, that was a kind of deliberate act of of reclaiming the images from the history they kind of come out of. Um, because presumably the, the original photographers and the, uh, were not terribly interested in the fact that somebody was looking up at the camera. So you're finding things no, there that... That they were not necessarily... Yes, but uh, but but the um, that co particular collection is not really uh, um, uh, like a proper uh, military uh, reconnaissance. Um, uh, the, there are no path fly paths marked on the negatives. Uh, you don't have the altitude. You don't have the camera positions. You really cannot read from the photo from the photographs or from the negatives. You cannot read. Um, the information that you normally do read from 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 proper um, uh, military photographs. So, so there is a certain um, curious. Um, um, I mean, um, the the. Um, I, I mean, of course, it's um, it's. Um, uh, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you know that this is that the pilot was 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 just mm -hmm. basically um, um, looking at the city um, as a, a kind of. In a, in a kind of touristy touristy way, but but um, but in a way um, that's what you see when you look at um, at his fly, fly path. Uh, I mean, there is nothing military about it. I mean, he meanders over the um, over the Wajenki um, Park, and then um, uh, clearly um, he positions himself to take that particular um, uh, straight on, very um, deliberate. Um, uh, uh, view, um, which is, um, uh, I mean, there are a few attempts, uh, and then there is this shot, uh, and then there are a few other attempts of uh, of sort of historical buildings in the city. Uh, th those who, who would be considered historical for 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 uh, um, for well for um, uh, for the occupier, 
and um, Wajenki Park was uh, um, one of the few. Um, so, um, so there is a there is a aesthetic preoccupation, I thought, in the way the images were taken, uh, and uh, um, which were not sort of military preoccupations. Yeah, although the ones with the shadows in could be construed as kind of from an aesthetic point of view, yes. they're kind of wrong, aren't they? There shouldn't be a shadow of the well, shouldn't uh, be unless of unless you know, like unless, we often do when yeah. we travel through the cities, yeah. uh, we take our own shadow as a mm. kind of a marker that we've been there, which is sort of interesting. Uh, I thought this was uh, this was something which uh, which uh, which was really interesting because I could. Um, that the the, um, the photographer could see his shadow, yes. so could see his effect on on the city in a way, or could see where where, where he was touching the ground. I um, think that's very important because the 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 fact that the shadow is there means that the plane is fairly low, but it also signals a, a kind of the kind of aggression that's latent in the images because there's a trace there that's marked upon mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the ground by the by the kind of surveilling object mm-hmm. which seems like the cracked negative to be this kind of moment of, sort of revelation if you like that something is shown in the in the photograph that tells you more about the, the historical context than it first appears mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also I was interested in the way that you were kind of reading back into the images though like this will have been the place where certain acts of violence will happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the, 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 if you could say something about the, your your kind of sense of your own now, if you like, yeah. in relation to yeah. these as anticipations of yeah. future events. Well, the anticipation uh, is mainly um, seen in the moment of. Um, I mean, the photographs are taken in July, uh, or at least that could be dated from from from. Um, um, from the vegetation and and uh, and um, uh, the light, the sun. Uh, so it's 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 a summer, mm. um, and uh, and the um, uh, the sort of the final destruction of the city began first of on the first of August. Um, so there is a premonition in uh, in the photographs of uh, for those who who who, who um, well, I mean, uh, uh, Warsaw's destruction is sort of known. Uh, after these images, so this is sort of a pre-destruction moment, uh, and um, and it's um, and the the way that the images were read also in the album, there was a there was a fascination uh, with with this fact that this is a preserved war. So just before this destruction, so this moment of of um, uh, I mean, this is how how um, how the the album, how those um, those um, images when they were found, uh, they were presented. That this is sort of just before the Warsaw disappeared, and there was so there was something very the last glance, something red say, exactly. Yes. <laughs> it was read into the image yes. that 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 mm. the, 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 the will have been uh, would be would be. Uh, but you kind of resist the glance, don't you? Because it, it, as you say, it's a long, protracted, forensic. Yes. Archaeological kind of mm-hmm. unpacking of shadows, traces, rooms, memories. Yes. yes, and uh, and I guess um, that's um, something which which is. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's really um, interesting that that how um, how much looking um, is packed into the brief description I have of each mm-hmm. of the images because I mean I poured over those images with. Um, 
um, uh, magnifying um, glass um, as well as I could view them because I mean they are they are uh, phenomenal phenomenal resolution I mean the nitrate images are incredible uh, and uh, so so the resolution is incredible and uh, and they could be viewed at Photomarburg uh, uh, um, in um, um, I mean, you could you could view them on a large screen, but I was still using a magnifying glass to just see uh, the details, and um, and it's really um, so um, so so there is um, and it, it it almost became like an object of fascination in a way, and 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 in a way questioning also. Um, they, they. I mean, my method. I mean, what is it that I'm doing? I mean, I'm spending hours looking at this one photograph, and what does it matter really? Yeah. Um, and um, and then um, you know there were those moments when, for example, um, on this this image, um, this photograph looks um, entirely still, like, uh, and I didn't see any 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 person, any body in there. So I described it accordingly, and uh, and I also described um, the um, uh, there is a. Um, uh, so I described the stillness of the water and the path beside it. Um, and there was something really quite interesting um, because um, um, there is this white spot there, which... Um, there is a, oh, this white spot right here. And I sort of... Um, looked at it and I thought these were flower pots. Uh, I mean, there are, there are some flowering bushes in, in a couple of places and then I thought these were flower pots. And I sort of ignored this spot. Um, I couldn't see any, any, any movement anywhere. And then um, I described it and just before the French version of the, of the, of the, of the, of the uh, essay was published, uh, um, as I was um, struggling with the um, uh, translation, uh, um, because I was very particular about the way that I wanted to describe things. Uh, uh, I think I have it further down, um, so I'll... Uh, somewhere. I have my... Uh, okay. Okay. Um, so, um, and then with horror, I, I actually discovered that these were not flower pots. Uh, I mean, horror meaning... Uh, I mean, I would have... Um, done something which would be really wrong because I mean I didn't want it to be an interpretation of the image I really wanted it to be just a plain description of what's happening and um, uh, there is a group of children um, you could see them um, around the bench so um, so there was a um, and there was something really incredible about this kind of discovery that there is you know that but I mean, as incredible as the discovery in the ghetto of of people lifting, uh, um, doing something. Uh, I mean, I cannot really figure out what it is. But uh, but the fact that there was a capture of 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 of, of an event in a way was yeah. really quite. Because that that kind of flies in the face of the the kind of abstracting sort of function of the aerial yes. view, doesn't it? That you can locate kind of identifiable. Yes. Actions and events. And yes. And and also I think um and that's something which interests me very much is that we often um uh um talk about ruins as if ruins are stone ruins, as if ruins are, are, are 
uh, um, I mean, this is this is just the the, the material, uh, uh, and um, and ruins are, are, are filled with human remains, and and that's very rarely talked about. I yes. mean, there are very few 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 uh, uh, few um, uh, studies which which actually. Uh, um, focus on that, you know, and, and how much of the ruin is actually human remain. And uh, um, so, um, so I wanted to sort of to capture that. And, and in, in, in Warsaw discourses, very often we, uh, um, uh, what, what I see at least is that, that it's, the, it's the city, it's the material of the city, which sort of forms this main preoccupation uh, so the buildings, and especially the iconic buildings or historical buildings, or the churches and the palaces, and and um, and I um, and I was more, and I sort of remain more interested in um, in the uh, ruins of the places of living, ruins of homes, ruins of of yes. I mean lives, as well as as dwellings. Yeah. No, I thought it was interesting that you said that that you you didn't want to interpret the images, but to describe them so would you say that your kind of active prolonged looking is, is a form of kind of belated witnessing of one kind or another which is which then becomes a kind of a narrative you, you, you kind of converted that act of looking into a particular kind of form of writing here mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is which which does have a kind of poetic quality to it yes. which seems quite self self-conscious in the way that the reader is led through this sequence of acts of finding and putting together, and the, the text that, that you read is a, is a kind of text which is a, is a kind of piecing together of a kind of a series of deliberations, which are also kind of joined together mm-hmm. through through your act of, of kind of witnessing these documents. Does, does, does that sound? Yes, yes, and it is, um, and it's very. Um, uh, I mean that's something which I'm 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 actually struggling with in a way because um, uh, because um, I mean even when I'm reading I'm very self-conscious when I'm reading the text uh, because uh, the um, the text sort of wants to be read poetically and and uh, in a kind of um, lingering way and and with certain pathos and. Uh, and, and I'm sort of resisting it, and then what comes out is a bit of more fragmented reading because I'm becoming really self-conscious of of it. Um, but it's been really interesting how, um, because very often, um, I mean, I, I presented it, and, and um, I think three times, um, the, and uh, and the, the reaction is, um, I mean, there was a. Often a comment or a reaction on the poetic aspect of the of the um, of 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 of, uh, of of the text, and um, and I think in some cases the poetic is sort of seen as as interpretive, as this is my uh, kind of interpretation of, of 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 images as well, rather than so it's sort of so it's interesting that that because the uh, that the that the poetic aspect of it almost. Um, um, takes away from the objective uh, description uh, and I find that kind of fascinating that the form of writing uh, would uh, maybe be in a way suspect if um, in some ways suspect of, uh, of, uh, of um, sort of uh, um, maybe not you know uh, 
if poetic, then perhaps not objective, then non-scholarly, uh, which is sort of interesting. As a, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.